This is The Other 14 Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of The Other 14 Podcast, the only podcast that forgets all about the so-called Big Six and focuses just on the other 14 teams of the Premier League. It has been an international break, so the relegation battle was put on hold and Brentford couldn't continue their mighty league performances. This week, as always, we're joined by Tom. Hello, Reese. Hello, Tom. Is this international break the most dull international break going because of the time of season that it's at? It's not been the great. I mean, one, the football hasn't really... I mean, I didn't really... I was away for the um, England-Italy game, but the the England-Ukraine game wasn't anything to really sort of shout home about. Plus, it's international football in the middle of a season and it's not major competitions, so it's like, bleh, who who actually cares? Um, but then again, saying that, it's just completely taken away from being hyped about what like the last sort of few games of the season sort of coming up, you're sort of getting into that mode of like, oh, who's going to go down? Who's going to go down? And it's like, ah, international break. Yay. Um, but games are done now. Prem's coming back at the end of the week. Let's just get back to it. Let's see who's going down. Or having uh, potential Europe. Well, exactly. It's. I think it's a good time for those teams that are on a poor run of form. Like there are some teams with dreadful current runs that, they so looking at the likes of Leicester and Forest, where they haven't got wins in their last five, even the same with Palace, now that they've got Roy back, it is an opportunity to kind of gather the troops up and then like kind of for oh. these final ten games ahead really push on. The only thing I'd say about that is um Nathan Jones was given a whole World Cup with Southampton and look what happened there. Yeah, but it was Nathan Jones. I'm not sure Roy's much better at this point, but we'll see. Um, I mean, in yeah, terms of outlandish press conferences, I don't think Roy's that sort of person. Yeah, um, but yeah, you, no, you are completely right. It's an opportunity for teams just to sort of get a, a hold of things and just try and sort of steady the ship a little bit. Um, but for fa- like sort of more on the fans' sort of point of view, you just want to get back to sort of club football. Oh, absolutely, it's one of those that. <laughs> It's okay. Like England games are fine to go to, but if you're going to the um, England-Ukraine game last night, you kind of expect the result. And once England went two 0 up on the second half, you could then see that all the players were kind of had an eye on the next week of fixtures. Yeah, and were like, well, as long as we don't lose even, this, like, even if fans weren't interested. And you know, as soon as the um, as soon as the torches come on on the phone, you know that's when people just completely lost interest. Yeah, it's it is a tough one, and it's one of those. It's so early in the qualification period that it's not like it matters and I suppose to an extent England fans have been spoiled so much over the last couple of years of being like unbeaten in the qualification processes um, that to be yeah, honest well, even the game against Italy wasn't particularly exciting like England no. went 2-0 up in the first half Italy brought one back and then I only watched probably the last 25 minutes of that game and oh, it wasn't it's was quite underwhelming to be honest as a as a fixture it was just a bit nothing Um so, yeah, which you'd say surprising for an England-Italy game, but... Yeah, well, you would think there would be more fight in it, but apparently exactly. not. Exactly, a bit more gruff. Um, I suppose the highlights for uh, for the other 14 in this uh, in this window, though, is that some of the other 14 players got a good run out. So Pickford played both games for England, Declan Rice featured. Um, Ivan Tony 
even Big though it was a, even though it was only a cameo, um, he did make uh, he did make his international debut. How much are you charging? <laughs> well, I wonder what is it. I wonder um, how much he put on for him to be subbed on in the second half in yeah. that game. Um, so a couple of good uh, things there. Um, Conor Gallagher got a bit of a run out in the in the Italy game as well. Oh, I know he doesn't play for Palace anymore, does he? He plays for Chelsea, Reese. Oh no! But the thing is, he doesn't play for Chelsea. He hardly no, features. He yeah. um, He's another fourteen alumni. Yeah, and all around the park, uh, sorry, all across the international window, there were good. Um, there were other fourteen players picking up results here and there. But to be honest, we're not going to go deep diving into all of them because it's not exciting. This week, however, we have decided to have another look back on how the championship is faring up. So, Tom, God, I can't remember how many episodes it was ago now, but we... It's uh, been a we, while. We had a little look to see how teams were doing in the championship, to see um, who we might be returning back into the Premier League next season. And um, we thought we'd give a little breakdown for those fans that don't really pay attention to the championship. And... Um, might want to eye up who they could be facing next season. Um, it's always a hotly contested uh, league, isn't it, Tom? And people say it's like the best or the most competitive league in the world. Um, and to be honest, it's kind of shaping up like that as well, with there being a good still eight teams within contention of uh, getting promotion of some sort, even nine teams, you could argue. Yeah, I mean, I'd say from the outset, um... So Burnley still very much are the team to beat in this year's championship. They stand currently on 83 points. They are a massive 13 game 13 games, a massive 13 points clear of Sheffield United in second. And for those sort of, you know, we've said the championship is quite a, um, a competitive league. For 13 points between first and second, and for teams to run away with it, it's sort of it is quite rare. Oh, unless um, like the only times that it's really happened was when Newcastle last went down and they had Rafa and they hit the over 100 points yeah. mark, didn't they? And they yeah. absolutely cruised it. Um, but think, you know, it it's Burnley's goes... performances are absolutely tremendous. They've only lost two all season. Twice. To lose twice in the Championship, especially two games out of 37, I mean, it just goes to show the sort of job that Vincent Company's done at, at Burnley. And for them also to have gotten to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, um, unfortunately, they did get sort of hammered by Manchester City, but I think that was to be sort of slightly expected. Um, I don't think an FA Cup runs really on the card to burn. I think their main aim is exploration, and they're well on the way to doing that. Um, but yeah, um, absolutely well, fantastic to yeah. see. You looked uh, the stats corner the other week. You uh, we spoke about and you told us about teams that do bounce back straight away. And I think, to be honest, Burnley went Burnley at, did it once at the point where they went down last season. It wasn't really expected that they would have that automatic bounce was it but no the appoint- I mean the appointment of Vincent company has been quite refreshing for the club yeah exactly I think you know when we saw Deitch leave after such an extended period of time at the helm at Burnley uh, effectively a new era at the club you know different different style of play potentially some new players coming through there was you had in the sort of like your mindset that Burnley on, on the face of it when, wouldn't really come back straight away but I think they've just proved all proved all those doubters wrong um, and have taken the championship by storm and just they're, they're cruising at the moment to um, to that top spot um, you know absolutely fair play to visit company um, and you know I think it's the reason why his name has been so highly touted with any sort of job that does come up in the Premier League because he is doing such a good job with, with Burnley as it stands 
Um, so yeah, their first uh, it would be if they do come up, which to be honest, it looks likely. Well, it looks um, like they the... could. So it could all but be confirmed within about six games. I think if they win the next six, yeah. it's almost impossible for um, third place to catch yeah. them up. I think yeah, you've got to go back to twenty sixteen when it was the last time that they came straight back up um, when they came up with uh, Middlesbrough and Hull. So um, yeah, looking very very good for Burnley there. Um, you mentioned that sort of top nine um, as potentials. I'd even go down as far as, say, 12th. Do you uh, really Preston. think... Pre- I, I'm just looking at games in hand. Um, sorry, one thing I just want to pick up with uh, Burnley. Um, yep. Their top goal scorer this season, uh, Nathan Teller, um, he scored 17 in 34, which is a pretty healthy return for the championship. The one thing about him, he is only on loan at Burnley from the Saints, which... Oh yeah, exactly. Which if Southampton go down, and Burnley want him for the next season in the Premier League, you wouldn't be that inclined as a South as Southampton to sell him on to Burnley, would you? You'd maybe think, oh, this lad well, can help us out in the Championship to bounce back. I mean, yeah, there's that. I think also another question is why did Southampton? You know, it's clearly. I mean, yeah, there's a difference between Championship and Premier League, but I mean, it's clearly someone that could have potentially helped. Southampton this year. Yeah, they have been a bit uh, void of goals. They've been drawing yeah. goals, so um, I don't yeah. think a, potentially, a, I mean, he's obviously getting a lot of development down, down in the Championship, so it's, it's clearly helping the lad out, but yeah, um, I, I think yeah, Southampton might be a little bit wary uh, as to whether or not uh, to, to let him on his way. Yeah, but that, they was do get a, relegated. that was an interesting one for me. Um, and then the other team that makes up the top two who have the automatic positions and yep. another team that's flying high is uh, <laughs> Sheffield United, who have really had quite um, quite a good run this season. Um, last yeah, season, Paul Heckenbottom doing a hell of a job. Yeah, last season they did end up getting into the playoffs, um, but lost in the playoff semis on penalties to Forest, who ultimately then went on to win the playoff final. Um but Heckingbottom came in at the start of last season when they'd had a bit of a poor run. He then pushed them through to playoffs. And then this season, sitting in second with um, 11 games to go and having a, a game in hand over the teams below below them. Uh, nine games to go. They play 46, don't they? Oh, so they do. I don't... Yeah. That, yeah, sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> with nine games to go... It's looking like they're going to come back up and they've done a remarkable job um, there and Heckingbottom obviously taking them from that championship playoff disappointment to now automatics. Um, it's been quite remarkable. Yeah, semi-final in the FA Cup as well coming uh, coming up as well against City. Yeah, the so. semi-final, obviously being able to manage that. Um, well, I suppose in the championship you are used to back-to-back fixtures because pretty much most season you are playing weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek, aren't you? And yeah, uh, they've um, obviously been able to stick that through with the championship uh, with the uh, cup run as well. Obviously disappointed by the draw, and as we've covered before, obviously disappointed that they've got those two city lads on loan that won't be able to play. I still mm. think it's ridiculous that that is the case. Um, but otherwise. You kind of got to fancy them to be joining Burnley at this point, haven't you? Unless they have a complete meltdown. No, yeah, exactly that. You know, they've got a game in hand on Middlesbrough, who are um, in third, and they've got a three point advantage. When they game in hand, you know, they go six points clear, and that that is quite a sizable margin um, at this stage of the season. So they are definitely odds on favourites to to be joining Burnley in that that last automatic spot. 
yeah and then well it'll be interesting because obviously that'll be two um two premier league and other 14 alumni who could be coming back with mm. having recently been in the Premier League with Burnley only getting relegated last season and Sheffield United only being relegated in the 2021 season, um, despite them having a really good season the season before. Yep. Looking then at the teams that currently occupy the playoff uh, um, playoff zone, that's wrong, the playoff positions. Um, it's the playoff zone. But looking at you've got them, the relegation zone, why not have the playoff zone? Yeah, the playoff zone is much better than yeah. the playoff positions. Um, I think you discovered a new thing. Yeah, exactly. So the top of which is currently you've got Middlesbrough sitting there um under Michael Carrick. So and quite the novice to management. Um obviously a coach, a job. coach at Manchester United for quite a while, backroom staff under quite a few of the managers there as they um as they decided to sack one every two seasons. Um he took over just in October last uh, last uh, October year, last year, yeah. So yeah. October twenty two. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, and he's had a win rate of seventy five percent. It's done a hell of a job. It's absolutely transformative. Um, so they went through. Um, they had Chris Wilder for not very long uh, last season. Um, and for a team that was only well, for a team that was in the Premier League not that long ago in sixteen seventeen when they got relegated. They've had a bit of a ride in the championship. So their play their finishes have varied from kind of up kind of seventh and playoffs. I'm not sure they've made playoffs at all since they've been down there. But from anywhere from seventh and down to like 19th and 20th, they've really had up and down like time in the championship. And it's good yeah. that Carrick's been able to kind of stabilize them. Um and such a winning culture there at the club. A 75% win rate is absolutely incredible. And normally I think had he started the season at Borough, they would very much be pushing Sheffield United and Burnley for the automatic playoffs. Oh, 100%. The automatic promotion positions. I mean, they still are. Yeah, they are. They're not far behind. Obviously, Sheffield United three points ahead with a game in hand, which is um, obviously puts Borough more likely to be that solid team going into the playoffs in that third place position. Um. What's absolutely alarming, so I was having a little look at goal scorers in the Championship. Middlesbrough's, uh, t- Middlesbrough's striker, Tuba uh, Akpom, has currently got 24 goals this season. Nice. So he's in the hi- got the highest total in the Championship by six goals, which is he's scored 25% more goals. Than the next top goal scorer. Well, I mean, if if Mitro's not there to score the goals, then who he, he might as well take up the uh, take exactly. up the mantle. And I think normally we'd go, oh, 24 goals in the championship, that's phenomenal. But obviously we had Mitrovic last season, and then I think a lot of us look at Haaland this season in the Premier League, who's absolutely obliterating every yep. goal scoring record. That I kind of feel sorry for Akpom because normally we'd be get absolutely like. I don't know, going absolutely crazy over 24 goals and showing such hot form. Um, but every other record around him at the moment is kind of, unfortunately, putting a little bit of a dampener on how well he's done this season. Yeah, I think that, uh, uh, yeah, Metro from last year, basically just sort of any sort of, put any sort of discussion to championship scoring records to bed, I think, you know, a, 20, a 25 goal a season in the championship now is like, oh yeah, yeah, nice one, well done. 
Um, yeah. But nothing really to write home about. But yeah, doing doing ever so well, and sort of obviously why uh, why Barra are where they are. Yeah, I do the, think those so. Goals. Akpom with those sorts of numbers, it's very much that territory of if Barra don't get promoted, then a probably a Premier League team and inevitably another fourteen team will possibly come sniffing for him. Is he a Dwight Gale incarnate? Actually, how is Dwight Gale doing this season? Um, well, he's, he's on the verge of retiring in my FIFA in my FIFA save. So <laughs> <laughs> that is as you got me there. <laughs> so Dwight Gale is currently at Stoke, where he has got. Oh, this is. Oh, I feel sorry for Dwight. Oh, why did I? Has he fallen off? Oh, he scored three in thirty for them. That's not Dwight. That's not the Dwight girl I know. No, that's not that's not the Dwight I know. Um, I I like the Dwight that was putting all those goals for Palace past Liverpool, making Scousers cry. No, 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 no. He no. he he was my favourite Dwight Gale. The Dwight Gale of like uh, fourteen, fifteen, where he got five goals and thirteen, fourteen, where he got seven. Yeah. Um, but looking at when he's been in the championship before, he's had returns of uh, 13 in 29 at Peterborough. So, And even um, in 1819, when he was a loner West Brom, um, he got 23 in 39. So it's unfortunately quite sad to see him only muster up three this season. Hmm. Um, anyway, off of uh, poor old Dwight. We don't want to be digging him out too much. Um, we've got a couple of teams then uh, who are in the run, who have never played in the Premier League. So we do yeah. have... Obviously, Barra, Blackburn, who have previously been champions. Um, Norwich, the default yo-yo team. Coventry, who haven't been in there for 20 years now. And West Brom, Watford and Sunderland, who are all kind of established Premier League teams. Uh, in their times, they've all had good seasons. Not their established teams, but, you know, you, they, they've played enough seasons they've in the been, Premier yeah. League between them. Um, obviously, it, currently occupying two of those playoff zone places, as I'm now calling it. I refuse to call it anything else. Um, Luton and Millwall. So I know Luton have sniffed round playoff positions before and never quite made it. They obviously have a very good season um, to be seven points clear in in the playoff zone. The team that is most worrying, I suppose, for me and a lot of West Ham fans will be the fact that Millwall is sitting there. Could you imagine? Sixth place. I if the Met I, must be putting their hair out. Apart from obviously no, the shit they've been going see, down this, this week. I, I think West Ham fans aren't worried about playing Millwall. They're more upset at the idea that if Millwall get promoted and West Ham were to get relegated and Millwall were to be the Premier League side, I think that would be that would be the bigger thing there. Because it's your it's your biggest rivals. Yeah. Like, like we don't play them often. I say biggest rival. It's the fiercest rivalry that West Ham have. Haven't played them since West Ham were last in the championship back in the 11-12 season. But that is an... Imagine that. It'd be like Newcastle. It, it, it's it'd, be like Newcastle want, it'd be like it? Newcastle getting relegated and Sunderland's getting promoted. Yeah, um, which happened last decade, I'm pretty yeah, sure. At some exactly. Point. That... Uh, it just... No, it just makes you feel dirty, the idea that West Ham would be a championship side and Millwall would be lording it up in the Premier League. And the fact yeah. that we would have to talk about Millwall on the other 14 podcasts. That yep. is, uh, like the idea of them even getting playoffs, because anything can happen in the playoffs, really. I, yeah. 
I don't like. I, that I, idea. I, I still would say that there's stronger teams out there. You know, they they are seven points off Borough as it stands with the same amount of games played. I, I still would say, and Norwich are, are still in and around it. So are West Brom, Coventry, like you've mentioned. I, there is still a lot of change to the potential, but like you said, there is just that small potential that Millwall could be a playoff team. Um, so yeah, I mean that would be their first. Um, if they if they did get promoted, that would be. I think they've only had two other years in the top flight ever, and that was back in nineteen ninety. No, sorry, nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety. Oh, so they um, got relegated not long before the dawn of uh, football when the Premier League started. Well, you say that there was also Luton Town, who we've mentioned already. They got relegated because they've had a few years in of experience in in the in the old Division One. But they got relegated in the 91-92 season. Oh, just before all the Top money flight. came. So just before all the money came. Oh, just before um, the birth of football. That so, is yeah. brutal. Uh, and then since then, obviously, been down to non-league level uh, and then come back. Which um, is mostly impressive, that sort of journey. Um, oh, 100%. It's been a mad journey for the fans, but yeah. Um, yeah. Some, I, yeah. It's nice to see sort of two... I'd say newish, but you know, going back through history, they've they've been in and around that sort of fight for for quite a number of years. But it's it's nice to see some new teams being discussed in that sort of rise to the Premier League. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Um, as long as it's Luton and not Millwall, um, <laughs> and I suppose Fulham fans have got to be quite happy because obviously Norwich at the moment don't currently occupy. I know Fulham are pretty much safe, um, not quite mathematically safe, but I think. Unless they lose every game, they're forty-two points. I mean, they've done. Oh, oh, are they at forty-two now? I, I think they're for, they've gone past the forty mark. No, they're on thirty-nine. Oh, right, sorry. They're, so, mathematic, obviously, they are. They, they are. Feel, they are fifteen points clear of the relegation zone. It's not going to happen. Safe. To them. I think they're safe, but obviously, yeah. it's normally an exchange of pleasantries between Norwich and Fulham yeah. when they go past each other as one's promoted and one's relegated. But I suppose it's quite disappointing for Norwich, having been that infamous yo-yo team that they've gone down to the championship and normally they, most of, a couple of times they've won the championship by a good amount or got an automatic play or uh, automatic place. The fact that they are only on the outs, well, on the edge of the playoff zone. <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah, I'm stop. trying to remember the last time they finished as low. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think, think they have. I think they've gone through the playoffs in recent seasons, um, but very rarely they're normally comfortably in there. So the fact that they're still sitting on the edge, um, obviously, the edge. with with their eight games left, obviously it can all can all happen, and they might be able to grab that grab one of the playoff places. But playoffs are so deeply competitive, um, yeah. and once once you go to Wembley, pretty much anything can happen. So um yeah, the think... last time uh, the lowest they've been in the championship in recent history is seventeen eighteen. They finished fourteenth. Wow. Um, so that, it would be that's remarkably low. Be the lowest. It would be, be the lowest finish for well since then. Um, but then after that they went it's, got promoted, got relegated, was... got promoted, then got relegated. So I was going to say it's alternated every season since then, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, basically. Oh um, wow. Um, no, that's <laughs> wow. I didn't realise they finished that low that season. Mm. Um, but no, it's all quite tense and um, quite busy down in the Championship. Yeah, um, not not many games to go, nine nine or eight games left. Um, so it is it's starting to hot up quite nicely. Um, so we'll at, just see. Out of those teams that are in the uh, 
are in contention. Obviously, excluding, let's say, let's assume Burnley and Sheffield United are going to get automatics, which at this point, yeah. given their form, you think they probably will get. Of those teams kind of hovering around, I suppose, anywhere from Borough down to maybe maybe Watford, who do you, who would you like to see come back? I would like to see Blackburn come back. Okay. Any Just, any particular reason? Well, one, they are a you know a, a winner of the Premier League back in the back in the day, ninety four, ninety five, um, and also the fact that they've, they've had a bit of a, a few years in the doldrums. Let's say you know they've had a few years down in, in League One. Um, it sort of finished their Premier League um, sort of stint uh, finished quite nicely, sort of um, back in what was it 2011, 2012 when they got relegated. I think. Oh yeah, it's about them. Um, under the Venkies, they're still in charge, but it was very much um, sort of new owners against the fans. It wasn't quite sort of civil, and um, it's it's been yeah, like I said, it's been a few years in the doldrums. But they've they've I, I watched their game. As I've got to say it's like the first Blackburn game I've seen in, in quite some time. Their their game against Sheffield United, and they were playing some really decent football. Um, speaking of experience, um, we've got a lad at Liverpool called Harvey Elliott. Um, who spent a year on loan there last year and really enjoyed himself. So it's clearly at the moment, I think, a well-run team looking to get back. And um, it's one of those teams that is is quite a storied Premier League side. Obviously, they've got the um, the, the the league win back in 94-95. But, I mean, you know, there's also some fantastic players in there of Premier League teams gone past. You know, like sort of Morton Gams Pedersen. Um, some cult heroes back in the day, so it'd be nice. It'd be nice to see Blackburn back. Yeah, I think uh, of that kind of Blackburn era where they had Rocky Sam, uh, two guys, the Croons, um, uh, Christopher Samba, oh Chris Samba at the back or up front, and somehow yeah. made his way to Angie Mashakala over in Russia. We don't exist uh, anymore. Yeah, <laughs> what was what bizarre moment in time Angie were because they had William oh. as well, didn't they? They that had... was a ve- that was a very weird period of uh, sort of European sort of football, yeah, yeah. Um, out in the absolute sticks of nowhere, um, and they couldn't even play in the town in Angie. I don't think so. Was I don't think they actually had a stadium. So I might be making this up, but I think they end up going to Kazakhstan for their games. They might have done. Um, I, I think I... Liverpool had a um. In one of the Europa League games, at a uh, game against Hanji Mashashkala. So, yeah. um, um, any any teams in particular that you you sort of fancy? I really like. like I really like Norwich in the um, in the Premier League uh, because it guarantees one of the relegation places are completely tied up. Yeah. Um, also, I always thoroughly thoroughly enjoy Watford's um, Watford's time in the Premier League because you know that they'll come up and end up going through three managers in the process. Don't you want um, someone different, though? So, I suppose in terms of difference, I, I would like to see Luton. Yes, as very much the small team, and small teams have come up and done well. You look at Bournemouth; were uh, deemed a very small club when they first broke through into the Premier League under Eddie Howe, that was really good to see. Brentford's kind of similar as well, not the biggest team, kind of crowded out by all teams around them. So Luton being a team that really... It's one of the teams that will come into the Premier League, has no real, like, beyond its local following, they don't really have any wider support, unlike most Premier League teams, where yeah. kind of go across the country there will be Newcastle fans, there will be Leicester fans, there... Uh, there will be Everton fans and even globally. Well, Luton is one of those teams that, unless you're from Luton, I don't think you back Luton. So I would like to see them. 
Um, other than that, I suppose I do quite... Middlesbrough, it would be quite nice to have Michael Carrick come up because just because he came through the West Ham Academy, I suppose I've got a bit of a soft side for him, even though he ended up going to Spurs uh, and then was obviously at Man U for quite a while. Ugh. But I know, but I suppose he was a class player. Like he was just yeah. like just the way he played was really nice. And it, I think probably a criminally underrated player, I think. Yeah. And it's also nice to see that you can get an English central midfielder to become a manager and be competent, um, unlike two managers who have been well, sacked I mean, in the Premier you say League. That. I mean, you say that, but Lampard did have a good spell at Derby and Gerald La- had Lampard, been tested at the championship level. So. Lam- Lampard did... Okay, I'll give you that. Lampard did all right at Derby because he was able to just borrow players from Chelsea. He, he did. Come on, they not they. No, 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 I'll give you that. Give Mason that. Mount and Tamori, who the, suddenly the next season they were both in the starting lineup at Chelsea. Yeah. Um, and then both. Well, one went on to win the Champions League, and one went on to uh, to Syria. Um, so I think probably Carrick. I would say Carrick's job currently is better than what Lampard did at Derby, um, because in the nicest way possible to them. Carrick's had to. Obviously, they've had Chupacbom, who's been banging them in. But to be honest, there's. It's not like they've been to the Premier League recently, so they don't really have any of those recognised names. Well, even like if you look at Burnley, they've still got the likes of Jay Rodriguez and a couple of others that came down with them, and they've stuck yeah. around and they've been able to turn out performances. So I would like to, and I do have just have a bit of a soft spot for Carrick. Um, I absolutely don't want to see Millwall. Um, two reasons. One, if West Ham were to get relegated and they were to get promoted, that would absolutely be gutting. And also, <laughs> and call me whatever you like, but the idea of going to a West Ham Millwall game, as fun as it would be, I also think I'd be a little bit scared. <laughs> a bit of body armor, maybe just that'll do. It's more the fact that I walk past the away end to when I go home, and I just don't want after a game to be just yeah. I don't I don't want to have to deal with that. Um, no, yeah. Yeah, so uh, other than that, I'm Watford not bothered by them coming back. West Brom not bothered by them coming back. To be honest, they've all had enough times as part of their yo-yoing. Um, I suppose Coventry. Um, they because they haven't been up in twenty years. It would be because um, they got relegated in. Yeah, I mean, two thousand and oh one season after nine seasons in the Premier League. Yeah. So up until that point, they had a really good run in the league. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's nice to see some of the old old guards sort of returning. Mm. Sort of that's why I mentioned sort of like Blackburn. We also had Forest last year. Yeah, it'd be nice to see Coventry in, in the mix. Obviously, they've had sort of very much sort of um, storied issues over the past. Yeah, their of, fans have um, had, like their fans have been they, treated like garbage for seasons, haven't they? So been through a lot. So yeah. Um, so once yeah. again, that'd be a nice team to see come up. Um, but if it's none of them, then yeah, Norwich because at least it's only two relegation. Spaces you've got to avoid the following season. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry Norwich fans. fans. It's just the it's just the truth. It's, it's not wrong, is it? Short of when <laughs> they finished second in ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, they uh, haven't. Yeah, it was like so. Short of that, they year, haven't yeah. really been much but relegation fodder. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's not a nice thing to say, but yeah. Anyway, so um, not many games left in the championship now. It'll be settled. Well, the automatics position to imagine would be settled in a couple of weeks yeah and then we do and we will follow the uh the playoff journey won't we um towards the end of the season we shall indeed uh benefit the tape norris finished third in 92 93 
That was, oh, it was the first season, was it? Oh. Yeah. And then it uh, went a little downhill. They set their stall too high. The, did, the bar was yeah. too high for them. They've they, yeah. never able to match it. Huh. Anyway, that was our championship wrap-up. Tom, this season, we've made a big deal about how the other 14 face off against the other 14, and particularly those in the relegation fight, and how they square up against other teams in the relegation zone. But this week, you've decided to um, shed some light on the top performers from the other 14 against the so-called Big Six in this week's Stats Corner. And welcome to Stats Corner. Yes, welcome back all to this week's edition of Stats Corner. As we've discussed in last week's pod, there were points dropped for the big six in games against the other 14, namely Southampton and Everton, drawing against Spurs and Chelsea respectively. Um, so as Rich mentioned, I thought it would be a good opportunity at this point in the season and it being the international break and all, with the end game rapidly approaching to see how each of the other 14 have fared against the big dogs and put the result in a league table, which will be up on our socials at some point soon rather than later. I'll tell you now, I was a little bit shocked at some of our teams, to say the least. So here's the table as it stands. So current leaders are Brentford. Um, They have 12 uh, 12 points from a possible seven games played. Their record is uh, three wins, three draws and one loss. And then following up, um, Brighton, they've played seven games and they've won three, drawn once and lost three times. They have 10 points, as I mentioned. Then Newcastle in third, eight games played. Their record is two, three and three. They've got nine points. And then in fourth, Southampton with nine games played. They have won twice, drawn three times and lost four. Villa and Leeds are... In fifth and sixth, they both have seven points and the same record, two wins, one draw and five defeats. And then it's Wolves and Everton uh, tied on six points in the seven and eighth spots. They have, uh, well, Wolves have nine games played, once, uh, won twice and lost seven, whereas Everton have won once, drawn three times and lost five in their games against the big six. Fulham then in ninth. Uh, they've played nine games against Big Six so far, only picking up a total of five points. They've won just the once and drawn twice, uh, losing the other six. And then we've got Forest in 10th. Eight games played, just the one win. Uh, that was against Liverpool, two draws and the five defeats. That's, again, a total of five points. Then three teams on three points. That's Leicester, Bournemouth and Palace. Leicester have uh, played 10 games against the Big Six. They've won just the once. Uh, and nine defeats in that time as well. Um, Bournemouth, nine games against the Big Six with the one win, also against Liverpool, uh, no draws and eight defeats. And then the bottom two teams, as I mentioned, Crystal Palace also on three points, and then West Ham. Both of these teams haven't won any games yet. Palace have played 11 games in total. Their record is no wins, three draws and eight defeats. And West Ham propping up the table, as I mentioned, eight games played, no wins, two draws, and six defeats, they have two points. So I think first off, very well played Brentford uh, for holding top spot at the moment and have only lost once as well is seriously impressive um, uh, to have picked up a win also at the Etihad. No easy feat, but clearly Brentford don't cower when it comes to the big teams. No, they've been... Uh, um, Some other takeaways... Go on. I was going to say, they... They have week in, week out, mostly been the team that we've obviously celebrated for how good they've done. But 
it is yeah. that incredible I mean, run against the big six, um, getting all that many wins against them, and that well that win rate, and just the twelve points that's absolutely staggering. Um, it almost seems like a higher points per game than they probably are gaining against everyone else in the league. Um, but phenomenal, uh, mm. phenomenal record from them so far this season. So uh, really impressed by that. But yeah. I suppose they still do have five more games against the big six. Exactly. Um, yeah, some other takeaways, you know, like I said, it's not that surprising really to see Brentford, Brighton and Newcastle in that top three. You know, we've been sort of heaping their praises all season long. Um, but it, I think it's just interesting to note that they are low in comparison in terms of games played against the big six. You know, Brentford and Brighton have only played the seven, uh, which is the lowest amongst the other 14. You know, it clearly hasn't affected their season too much, but obviously some big games left and a tough run to close out the season with both teams having five games against the big six in the run-in. You know, Brentford, I think, have played 27 so far, so they've got 11 games left. Five of those are against the big six. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they um, how they fare um, with that run-in. Um, Brian, I think, are on 25 games played, so that sort of... That sort of proportion to big six to rest of the league um, fixtures isn't as as much, um, so I don't think it will affect them too much. But yeah, I think that might have uh, something to say with how these teams um, fare in the, the remaining part of the season. Yeah, I suppose you've uh, got to look at those that, who, yeah, those in the relegation zone and how many they have against. Uh... Remaining against the big six. So if you're looking at the likes of uh, Leeds, Forest and West Ham all have four to play against against mm. the uh, the bigger teams. Alleged bigger teams, sorry. Yep. Alleged, yep. Southampton ending up in the top four, considering they currently sit bottom of the Premier League, I found was quite a, uh, quite a shock. Um, um, and the fact they've also done the double over Chelsea. Well, that's the thing. They've they just conveniently on both times caught Chelsea when they were at their worst, like yeah. But admittedly, it's it is good that they've managed to get those two wins, and they then did get three draws from other fixtures, um, including against Spurs the other week, which was a really good comeback from them. But I suppose it's a case of still hasn't got them anywhere. They're still bottom of the league. A bunch no, of no, losers. yeah, exactly. And I think you know it's just. Uh, Sort of going on to that point, you know, I think that does highlight where where they are um, in the league. They're not picking up points against that those teams in the relegation fight. You know, averaging a point a game against the big six is good um, and is clearly a good. You know, um, yeah, like I said, yeah, um, averaging a point per game is good against the big six. But if you want to be clear of that scrap at the bottom, you need to be performing better against those teams. And you know, I did a quick sort of refer to our bottom nine table that I, um, we've been keeping up to date since the, the feature a couple of weeks back. Southampton are bottom of that table. So that's, you know, that's why they are where they are. They're not picking up points against those teams in and around them. Well, well the they fact... are, but they're just faring off worse than the other teams. Yeah, um, so a third of their wins, sort of bottom line. a third of their wins have come to <laughs> Chelsea. Which yeah, it's bad, and right? And then they've got five draws all season, three of which are against the other uh, against uh, the so-called big six. Yeah. So yeah, clearly they're doing things right in a way against some teams, but the fact that their points per game record against everyone else is quite poor is obviously the damning reason they are where they are. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, Fulham is a a bit disappointing here, considering how good they've been all year. But I think, again, it also points out how consistent they've been against their main rivals um, and a huge reason why they are where they are. Um, You know, basically, it's my point about Southampton, but in reverse. Um, And the games that I have been involved in with against the Big Six, bar the last game against Arsenal, which they lost 3-0, they've all been close games. So, you know, this table tells one story. But for sure, Fulham have been a competitive side this year against the Big Six. Um, well, they've only was... ever lost by one goal in all of the exactly. games against um, the Big Six. And you know that first, that very first game, going way back to the start of the league when they drew two all with Liverpool. I think that was you know a clear sign of that this Fulham side was no no pushovers this year. Um, and it can only be a bright note to take forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, can... But just yeah, it's just when it came up, sort of seeing one win and nine against the Big Six, I was like. I just had Fulham to potentially down to pick up a few more points. I suppose um, that is kind of our proving our point, though, is that they've been yeah. safe and out of it for pretty much all the season. Yeah. And that's just because they've picked up points <laughs> elsewhere. Just so good. Yeah, just been so yeah. good elsewhere. Um, yeah, they've not really needed to, uh, yeah. they've almost not needed to have those. Because at the end of the day, these, if you look at those three wins for Brentford, those three wins for Brighton, they're almost the surprise fixtures because you don't expect to get anything from them. Yeah. Um, same with Southampton, obviously got two point uh, two wins against Chelsea. You don't expect them. And for a team like Fulham, having come up from the championship, they've done the right thing in that their bread and butter is getting points from everyone else. But, yeah. And they are nowhere near trouble. Um and I think that is the that is the, the best and the safest approach to do it, to take it. Um and they probably, even when they do lose to the big six, they don't lose badly. So clearly Marco Silva has got a fairly, well, a very pragmatic approach to these games. Um, so as you say, they they lost to, they lost, uh, well, they drew with Liverpool, but then they um, only lost to Arsenal by one goal at the Emirates. They only lost to Tottenham by one goal at the New Shire Hart Lane. They only lost to Man City by one goal at the Etihad. Yep. They then only lost to Man U by one goal at home. Um, so um, then at home to uh, Tottenham, they only lost by one goal. Yep. Um, they got a win and a draw against Chelsea. God, everyone's beating Chelsea apart from West Ham, apparently. And obviously the only recent one is where they lost 3-0 at home to Arsenal. Yeah, sort of the outlier. But other than that, it's consistent, strong performances. And Just a spoke... competitive side. Yeah, and I think looking at the rest of the games, obviously we've spoken about issues of them not having either Mitrovic, Will... well, not having William for three games, not having Mitrovic for possibly more. That still hasn't been decided. In a certain number of games here. Yeah, and then Marco Silva for not, uh, a bit. <clears> but then they do then have... A... They've still got to play uh, at home to Man City, away at um, Anfield, and away at Old Trafford. But to be honest, you don't you don't see them losing any of them by many. So they, it's not like they're going to take a massive hit on the goal difference. And I know they're pretty much on the beach, but it won't be a disappointing end to the season. They're not just going to roll over and get trounced. For no, a I think that's the thing. I think Fulham fans, if you go to Arsenal at the start of the season, I think you know one thing. What do you want out of the season? I think just basically said we want to be a competitive side mm. you know they've, they've come up a couple of times in, in recent years where they've just they've come up not fared well at all and just been clearly out of their out of their league um so now to have a competitive side and also the benefit of being sort of knocking on the door for Europe but I think ultimately just potentially coming up short 
um, I think will be just yeah, good 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 signs for them. Absolutely. Um, um, I think what this table also points out well is Palace's current plight. You know, they're the only team to have reached eleven games played against the Big Six. They've only got one game left. All yeah. other teams, bar Leicester, haven't made double digits yet. That's um, why it's madness that they sacked Vieira. Exactly. So, yeah, like I said, Palace only have one game left against the Big Six. You know, we made this point last week in regards to the sacking of Vieira. Palace have had a tough run at the start of 23. And yes, while they haven't won a single game against the Big Six yet, in comparison to the other 14, they've had to play a lot more games. But, you know, if what, we take, but also, if we... once again, they don't lose, similar to Fulham, they don't lose to... No. They haven't lost by much in those games. They've... no. Only really, they what lost by two goals away at the Etihad and uh, home to Arsenal. Yeah. Other than that, they've been close affairs. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if we take a comparison now between Palace and say Brentford, um, the big six have featured in thirty nine point three percent of the games Palace have played so far this year. That's eleven in twenty eight. Brentford, on the other hand, have had to face the big six in twenty five point nine percent of the games so far. That's seven in twenty seven. And there's currently 15 points between the two. Now, I'm not comparing the two teams in squad ability. I think it's clear that Brentford are the better side. Um, and the table shows that. But it's just interesting to see how a certain run of fixtures does affect your season. And I think Palace, yeah, even though they haven't won at all against the big six, I think I think it just does highlight that I think Vieira was harshly treated and this is the evidence for it. Yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. I suppose... They were looking for a refresh coming to this kind of tail end of the season where they are playing all the teams in and around them. And this yeah. will be, this will be, if, if they were Fulham right now, you if Fulham were in this situation, you'd be laughing because Fulham go and tidy up against all these teams. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it'll just be interesting to see how Palace do against them all. Um, the team that isn't surprising me at all by their position is obviously West Ham. Yeah, um, awesome. From a team that last season went and got results against Chelsea, against Liverpool, um, like that they are within the season. West Ham do do an occasional bit of beating well. the bigger team. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, like towards the start of last season, they definitely had good runs of games where. Um, where they did end up um, just trying to find the fixtures here for the start of last season. Um, so even in the cup games that they um, beat Man U in the League Cup, they beat Man City on penalties in the League Cup, they beat Liverpool at home 3-2, um, they beat Chelsea at home 3-2. They do have been in recent seasons getting results against the so-called big six. And I think that's one of the frustrations of West Ham fans, particularly towards David Moyes, is that they just aren't compet. They haven't seemed to be competitive any in any of the yeah. games this season that they've lost against the big six. Don't get me wrong. They don't get, they don't really get thumped at all, but it's still been disappointing for fans um, in that they, ha- and looking at it. Yeah. Two two points in eight games is obviously quite alarming, and more the fact that also they've still got four left this season. Yeah, um, and they're not exactly easy ones. They're uh, welcoming Arsenal to the London Stadium. They're welcoming Liverpool to the London Stadium, and Man U, and then away at the Etihad. So, 
you kind of look at those four games and you go, well, based on this, they're not getting any points from any of those. So then it means that against Southampton... It depends. You, is, the Southampton, Liverpool, is the Liverpool game a lunchtime kickoff on BT? Because you might win that. No, it's a midweek 7.45. Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. Like, so it then suddenly puts a lot of pressure on for West Ham for against the, their remaining games against Southampton, Newcastle, Fulham, yeah. Bournemouth, like Palace, Brentford, Leeds, and Leicester. So there's still plenty of teams, games against teams down there in the like bottom nine cluster. Yeah. Um, and but <clears throat> they need they need to convert those opportunities because you kind of doubt based on the form of the season they're not going to be doing it against uh, against their four games against uh, the so called big six. So that about wraps it up for this week's uh, edition of Stats Corner. As I said, this table will be making an appearance at some point on our socials, uh, so you can take um, well. Any takeaways that you might want to, to have and send in uh, to the pod, uh, please do. You are more than welcome. Um, and we'll be back uh, next week with uh, some more Stats Corner, I'm sure. Brilliant, Tom. Thank you very much for that. So, Tom, normally at this part of the show, um, I would put in some witty one-liner about goals being scored and you having to judge them, but because it's international break, you've had no Premier League goal of the week to assess. No. Um, so we are going to have to, and we will go straight on to our Fab Four contest. So after last week's tremendous predictions, Tom, you have pulled it. Well, you've made the game significantly tighter than it was, say, if we go back five weeks or yeah, so. Yeah, I set myself up for a fall now. Well, ish. Um, we t- Look, I was the one leading for most of the way, so if it was to all slip, that would be uh, very Stephen Gerrard of me. It would um, yeah, be very iconic. So we are both on 39 points going into this. One point from safety. Game, pretty much. So we're both on 39 um, we obviously hadn't had anything to predict for last week because it was the international break. Um, but before we go on to predict the games for the game week, can you please tell us what games we have to look forward to in the upcoming week? So here are the upcoming fixtures for match week 29 of this year's Premier League 22-23 season. We have... Bournemouth up against Fulham. Nottingham Forest face off against Wolves. It's Crystal Palace going up against Leicester City. Arsenal take on Leeds. Brighton play host to Brentford. That is last of the three o'clock on April Fool's Day. Then we have Chelsea playing host to Aston Villa at half five. And then onto Sunday's fixtures, we have West Ham playing Southampton at the London Stadium. Newcastle hosting Manchester United. And it is... Managerless Tottenham going to Deitch Ball Everton on the Monday Night Football. And then we have some makeup games during the midweek as well. Uh, we have Leeds United playing host to Nottingham Forest, uh, Bournemouth play host to Brighton, and Leicester play host to Villa. All those games are 7.45 kickoff on the Tuesday. Wow, they that is a lot of football going on and a lot of implication in the relegation battle. Um, but games we will be predicting right here, right now, as Fatboy Slim said, we right have now. Right now. 
We have the Scott Parker derby with Bournemouth against Fulham. We have the Morgan Gibbs White showdown with Forest playing host to Wolves. Um, we then have probably a, a, if you were to go back ten years, this would be a surprise Premier League fixture with Brighton against Brentford. Both you're teams, not wrong. You're not wrong. Both teams who are doing phenomenally well this season near the top of the table. And then lastly, we have the Jose Font derby with West Ham against South. Not Hampton. Danny Ings. Um, Jose Font's the name that first came to my head. Okay. Um, and Danny Ings hasn't played for West Ham that long yet. So, Tom, Bournemouth against Fulham. Oh. To the to the newly promoted sides, I. I just don't know what Bournemouth shows up is my honest start to this. Um, you know, one week they can beat uh, Liverpool at home and then they just look absolutely useless the following week. So, oh, I don't know. It, it's the X factor also with Fulham being um, obviously not having Mitrovic as well. Um, no I, no, no I, manager, no Mitrovic, no William. It's... I think I might go for a draw in this game. Um, I'm going to go for a one-all draw. A one-one draw. It's one of those that Bournemouth are so hit on this. Yeah, like genuinely, it might end up being a three-nil to Fulham, but I just, I just, I'm just fancying. Yeah, Fulham do when they have been without Mitrovic, they're not necessarily bad, but they huff and they puff. Hmm. The thing is, I. Part of my gut is saying it'll be a Bournemouth win, but I don't want the Bournemouth win to happen because that will really put a lot of pressure on West Ham. Um, You're going to put allegiances aside for the Fab Four. I'm going to put allegiances aside to the Fab Four, and I'm going to say it's going to be a 2-1 Bournemouth win. Gary O'Neill is going to come up with another one. Like, but could Bournemouth do this? They have poor four, and then they just pick one up, like pick up a win. I don't think, go, yeah, I think it's a sensible... I think everyone's it's a sensible in shocks, and everyone's like, oh, Bournemouth yeah. can play football, can they? Um and they lost their last game, so you know it's gonna, it's gonna, they're gonna win this one. Mm. It happens like that. They are a bizarre team. Okay, then we have Forest against Wolves. Two teams very much in the mix down there. Um, it's this sort of fixture that sends the uh, sends it all over the place, isn't it? In terms of yeah, if Forest wins, suddenly they're looking really good on twenty nine points and pushing up to kind of mid table. And Wolves then look a little shaky. So there's only one point with them at the start of the day. So, oh, I don't, I don't like any of this. It's all so tight. It's all so hard to predict. Um, and we thought Wolves were going to be a better side than they have under Lopetegui. They've been hit and miss, and obviously with that loss against Leeds last week, I, I don't know where Wolves are about at. them. Yeah, I don't know that, where they're that at. That loss really shocked me. Um, so I. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling to see. Um, the only thing I'll say is Forest City Ground. Home they, record is fantastic. They just turn up. Ground. They have. Yep. They've only lost one at home to the other fourteen at the City Ground. So I'm going to say it's a two-nil Forest win. You're going two-nil. Okay. Okay. Um, just well, yeah. My my only concern is that Forest don't score a lot. Um, at all really um they might 
they might venture out to score two goals, and I don't, I don't think that's a bad shout, but I don't think anything more than that. Um, I might just... I I think Wolves will get a response. I think Lopetegui will, will sat the team down after last last week. I think he'll try and get a, um, a decent response out of the players. It will be a difficult game, but I think Wolves might just edge it. I just fancy Wolves just to edge that game. Wolves at the city ground. Yeah, I know. I know it's against. I'm going against the grain, but I think probably two one, two one Wolves. What a lunatic of a prediction! Yeah. <laughs> and then Brighton v Brentford. Oh, what, uh, what a what a brilliant game this will be. Um, I suppose this is the highest the teams have ever been while playing each other. Yeah. Um, and I'm not talking like Snoop Dogg. They have just been phenomenal both this season. Um, a couple, only a couple of points separating them in the table. Well, sorry, there are no points separating them in the table right now as they're both sitting on 42 points. Brighton do have two games in hand, though. Um, and they're both on the exact same form as well. Two wins, two draws and a defeat in the last five. Yeah. Exactly. There are there are two teams in exactly the same point of the season. Yeah. I, and oh, the, the, the only thing is there's only a couple of goals separating the two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh I why did I pick why did I pick why can't I pick easy games? No, uh, no I suppose you've done the, it now. I suppose the reality is none of them are easy to predict. No, none exactly. of the two, none of them in the bottom nine are easy predict easy to predict. And these ones up top are just as important to look at. Oh. Or Brighton v Brentford. I Brighton at home have been a bit of a force this season. So I am going to go for a two-all draw. I think that's a sensible shout because I, I just don't. They both like goals. They both like goals. I just don't think Brentford like to lose. You know they've only lost five out of the twenty-seven games, which is just phenomenal. Um. I was, yeah, sort of edging towards like a two-all draw. Um, you know what? I just sod it. One, one all. Yeah, we're, one we're all. both fence sitting today. Then, nice. Yeah, I think it's a day for sitting on the fence, just trying to sort of establish a, just steady myself in the race. And then the final game to predict is the Sunday two o'clock kickoff of. West Ham v Southampton. This is a game that I'm actively trying to avoid going to the stadium and watching because I think it's going to be a tense, ugly atmosphere. Um, Danny Ings welcoming one of his many former clubs to the London Stadium. Um, one of his non-claret and blue clubs. Exactly. Um, West Ham v Southampton have a mixed form between them. West Ham, I think, were unlucky to get a result at St Mary's. Um, in the reverse fixture, when the referee decided to get in the way of the West Ham defender when Southampton scored, I, I'm just, I'm gonna say West Ham three 0 heart overhead. They need the win. They're gonna get the win. Danny Ings brace and then something like a Thomas Suchek header from a corner. I was thinking three 0 but I okay. I put me down for a 2 0 because I, I was sort of think, thinking along similar lines, but I, I maybe just think it might be a bit more sketchy of an atmosphere. So, hence, maybe just one less. It might it's, be like it's an early goal. Like, and then the just when, they, like... when they score, if West Ham score in the first half, it like the it's 
alarming when you're in the stadium to feel that change. Yeah. Um, even the other week against um, against Forest, it was so tense and cagey, and you could see that Forest had been set up to kind of sit and frustrate the the opponent. Same with um, Villa. They came to the London Stadium just to frustrate. And mm. then the atmosphere does kind of crank up. Everyone gets a little bit angsty. Um, yeah. And it's once you get that breakthrough goal, suddenly the, the players completely change. The way they played against Forest once they got that goal, absolutely, I don't know, it was weird how much it changes. So, yeah, if West Ham get the early goal, I think it's will be a bit of a foregone. Um, but we'll wait and see on this Sunday's fixture. Um, whether I go or not is also another matter. I, I might not even go. It's um, whether you want uh, years taken off your life, I think. Exactly. Well, we'll see how these uh, this hotly contested contest fares out over the game week. Um, I'm hoping you are wrong on every count, apart from West Ham, Southampton. I would take a 2-0 win. I'd take a 3-0 win. I would take a 1-0 97th-minute win also would you? in that game. Um, as long as I don't have to be there yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't deal with the stress um, but that then wraps it up for this week's slightly shorter episode of the other 14 podcast this is largely to do with that awful international break that interrupted the joy of the Premier League season but it's back We're, yes it will be back next week and I'm sure we'll have some more tremendous performances from the members of the other 14 And with that, we are at the end of the episode. So, Tom, thank you very much for joining me on this week's episode. You're more than welcome. And thank you to everyone for downloading and listening to this episode. Please subscribe to us and give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice. Ideally, five stars because we're kind of okay. (laughs) (laughs) That as well. Also, do recommend us to your friends, family and other 14 fans. If you could get, you know, if you're at the football next week, whether it's uh, non-league, whether it's Sunday league, or whether it's uh, you're at home just watching the football on your sofa, just start out a nice big chant of uh, the other 14 Barmy Army, something like that would be great. Just spread the word, get the podcast out there. So with that, it is a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. And we will see you next week on the other 14 podcast.